In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. And thanks to our sponsor, KnowledgeVine. KnowledgeVine is the leader in human performance improvement training and technologies. If you want the most advanced safety technology adapted from the human performance principles of the nuclear and aviation industries, then KnowledgeVine is error reduction that works. Okay, so today I'm in downtown Houston, Texas. I'm at the World Hydrogen North America Congress. And I have on the show today the chief executive officer of the organizer of that event, Nadim Chaudhry. That's correct. Did yeah, I get you, you got it right? I got it right. Yeah, you know what? It. I bet if I tried it again, I wouldn't. You know? <laughs> well, let's just keep it as one take then. So, Nadim, you are the chief executive officer of World Hydrogen Leaders. We're the organization behind the Congress. World Hydrogen Leaders. Yeah. So we're an online community of about a thousand business executives. Working in clean hydrogen, we have a platform. We deliver about 40 training courses online a year, and we have a portfolio of live events, about sort of eight to 10 around the world. And we've worked in clean tech and renewables for 20 years, so in the hydrogen space for the last five since 2018. Okay, so tell me about this conference in particular. So, yeah, so we launched World of Hydrogen North America last year in 2022, and ostensibly around the opportunity now that hydrogen provides to be part of the energy transition. So as I said, we've been working on the energy transition for 20 years and predominantly for the last 10, we worked a lot in Latin America on renewables, on driving utility scale solar and big wind projects. We sold some of those large events and started looking at the next challenge. Before that, we'd worked in biofuels. We built big congresses of that in Europe. And before that, we worked in carbon markets and, and some of the other markets a lot of compliance markets and a lot of regulatory markets. They had feed-in tariffs and different legislation back in the day. But specifically with hydrogen and looking at North America, we could see the opportunity. Obviously, North America is going to go through its own energy transition. It's independent, energy independent, and has a great opportunity because of the great renewables profile the country has. It has huge potential for wind, offshore wind, and solar. And it has huge you know, shale gas resources that they want to be truly transitioned to a clean energy system that need to decarbonize you know the existing gas industry so on both fronts we don't like to refer to the old sort of colors we like to see the world very much through carbon intensity so yeah traditionally the ccs route coupled with the green hydrogen route means that america is going to be a huge huge player in the clean hydrogen industry so yeah we launched the event started working on it on 2021 and first edition was last year as i said and then I have to say I was pretty surprised with the scope of the IRA and, and that it got through got through the legislative process here in the US and that has clearly turned on the afterburner. So the event has tripled in size in the last year and, and there's huge global interest in investing in the American market because clearly there is a subsidy available now and in the short term to help drive the cost down in the value chain for producing clean hydrogen, both on the CCS side and on the green hydrogen side. So, okay, now let's back up just a minute for the benefit of our listeners. You're going to have to explain CCS and you're going to have to explain the colors. Yeah. So CCS, carbon capture and storage. I also also like to use the terms CCUS so in terms of carbon capture, utilization and storage. So 
Essentially, you have the methane, the natural gas, CH4. So you take the C out and you're left with hydrogen. That C is very useful. So there isn't a problem per se with carbon. There's a problem with putting carbon in the air, but we can still be using carbon and create a carbon economy. So we can use that carbon and bind it with other hydrogens and create methanol. We could use methanol to power shipping in a clean way. We could take that carbon and bind it even with green hydrogen and create a renewable methane or ENG is a term that's being used. And then you can also take that carbon and combine it into a liquid fuel and create an e-fuel, which is the potential for aviation. So you could see methanol playing a role in shipping. You could see e-fuels providing a role in aviation, and you could see ENG providing a role in a, providing a clean gas molecule. But these are all around hydrogen and hydrogen and its derivatives. So that is the opportunity in terms of developing you know, molecules that are fit for the purpose of creating a clean energy system. So you know, we believe the bulk of the clean energy system is going to be electrons because any of this tough stuff involves energy conversions and moving molecules around is difficult. So anything that can get electrified is going to get electrified. But the interesting stuff and the hard to abate stuff is also where the value is and where the money is. So you provide solutions on the tough stuff, then yeah, it's a valuable thing. So that's what we're trying to do with World Hydrogen North America and all of our products is to get bring people together to talk, collaborate, create projects, get steel in the ground and develop, you know, new projects, be it ammonia, clean ammonia, be it methanol, you know, green hydrogen, be it CCS, be it development of solutions to, you know, clean aviation, clean shipping, or indeed a clean gas, which can be used for power generation. So, so hydrogen is actually going to become, you're calling it clean gas? Yeah. So yeah, it's a clean gas. It obviously depends. Yeah, hydrogen is just an energy vector. It's how you produce it, how you produce it cost effectively. Can you produce it more cheaply down an electrolysis route than a CCS route? Yeah, potentially in the future, it will be cheaper to produce it using electrolysis. There is a huge opportunity for many countries. You know, not a lot of countries are fortunate as the US to have both good fossil fuel reserves and you know abundant renewable resources in terms of deserts and great offshore wind or wind in particular. Okay, so I'm fascinated by that and you have to forgive me Nadim because honestly I know nothing about this hydrogen stuff. It's one of the reasons we wanted to come to this conference. Uh, we've been doing a lot of talking about uh, methane and carbon capture and we've been to a lot of conferences on that and we've kind of educated our audience about that but this hydrogen is sort of a new thing here and so one of the things i have two questions well i probably have more than two questions but one is what you just said about other countries like third world countries or that sort of thing they don't have an abundance of fossil fuels but the abundance of hydrogen is there no no if you think about countries like germany korea japan i think japan and korea both import 97 and 96 percent of their energy germany imports around about 80 percent they're always going to be net energy importers. And now as we transition to a clean energy system, they're going to be net importers of clean energy. There is limitations to importing electricity and storing electricity. And that's the role that molecules can play. They're a lot easier to store and you can solve the problem of moving energy across time and across space. So you can move it geographically and you can move it to create you know, strategic energy reserves. So in the U.S., you obviously have a strategic oil reserve and you have federal government storing vast quantities of oil in salt caverns. The same thing other countries need to adopt 
particularly as we start going into a much more heavily renewable-powered electricity grid, and an electricity grid which is going to potentially double or triple because you're going to be powering electric vehicles and you're going to be powering electric heat pumps. So in order to balance that huge energy electrical system, you're going to need to have stored hydrogen in salt caverns in Europe and in other countries. And that's the role that the hydrogen can play in, in balancing that system as well as also being a key core ingredient in creating you know, some synthetic fuels, be it for aviation or methanol for shipping, or indeed ENG, which is another molecule which people are, are talking about using to transfer hydrogen long distances. You know, hydrogen is tough to work on the midstream. It's volumetric and you, know, you can cool it, there's boil off, and there are all costs involved in every energy transition So in order for hydrogen to be useful, it needs to be solving a big problem. So you need to try and solve the big problems, which are how do you power ships in the middle of oceans? How do you power planes in the middle of skies? And how do you power northerly countries in the middle of winter when you've got an area of low pressure, which is sitting over, say, the North Sea and turned off all the offshore wind turbines? So yeah, these are some of the big, tough intractable problems that we see in building you know clean energy system which is going to work 24 7 365 and not only 365 but also over a five-year period to deal with some of those nina fluctuations that we're going to see in what is obviously also going to be increasingly climate variable place you know we're seeing the impact of climate change and the weather is changing so we have to build energy resilient systems that can cope with fluctuating. Okay, and so that's the role of hydrogen. Yeah. We're going to go more and more electricity, but I see these electrical grids in California and Texas, they're already failing. How are you going to do that? Yeah, I mean, they're failing because they haven't been invested in and the systems work and you need to provide better electrical systems because it is more cost efficient to move vehicles using electric vehicles that the heat exchange the efficiency in, in moving people in electric vehicles is always going to be better than the internal combustion engine there's much less moving parts they're going to be able to become much more cost competitive with the internal combustion engine routes because there's just more efficient energy exchange there's no heat there's no noise there's just a sea you know we don't play music on gramophones and we all listen to music on Spotify. It's the same technology innovation and development I see happening across the board. And the electrical infrastructure is going to be the backbone of countries and needs to be resilient. So hydrogen is going to help facilitate that? Hydrogen is going to help provide resilience in specifically countries that aren't necessarily going to be able to supply all the electrons they need when they need it. So it can supply extra electrons into a system and that's where we see hydrogen playing a role but hydrogen is also as i said going to be a key ingredient beyond electricity in aviation and shipping and steel and chemicals and other big industrial processes that aren't necessarily going to be able to use electricity or you know electric arc furnaces or electric industrial scale electric heat pumps or some of the other innovations that are happening with electrical routes. So you see these being like kissing cousins or whatever there? Yeah, kissing cousins is a good analogy. I mean, I think at the end it's business, so efficiency wins out and there is going to be convergence between oil and electrical. There's going to be one clean energy system and there are going to be people with strengths in different areas. We've been talking recently a lot about the different cultures between the wires and pipes people 
And yes, yeah, certainly with hydrogen, there, there is a role for the people who understand pipes and understand that you know dealing with molecules is a lot more different in terms of safety and process engineering than the electrical side and the wires guys. But, um, but yeah, it is interesting to see the different cultures coming together here at the Congress. Okay, so that kind of leads me to my what I said was my second question, which actually leads to a third question because you just mentioned the role of safety. Why are we just now doing this? Yeah, because I guess the root, well, ultimately it's around, we're only doing this because of climate change. You know, there's nothing ostensibly wrong with fossil fuels apart from the fact that it's creating climate change. It's obviously expensive to move technology down cost curve. And so when you break new technology, it's expensive to start with. But as you begin to scale, and as long as the technology is scalable, then you can bring it down the cost curve and achieve the, the costs or under the costs even of existing solutions for providing energy. So it hasn't occurred because the oil and gas companies have been providing the products, but now the world has decided that climate change is a problem. We need to decarbonize in a 2050 time frame, which is very, very short in terms of 20 years. And we have to shift to some of these new technologies of which, yeah, predominantly, as I said, we see it being very much electron-focused, so potentially flipping from an 80% molecule, 20% electron world to an 80% electron, 20% molecule world. And within that world, we see free markets making up the energy markets. We see the E of the electrons in renewable electricity. We see the C of carbon, so using those carbon and reusing carbon in a circular way so that we're not taking carbon out of fossil resources, but we're just reusing carbon capturing it, adding it to steel, adding it to methanol, adding it to e-fuels, burning it, then recapturing it. So there's the E, the C, and then there's the H, which is obviously the hydrogen economy and creating hydrogen. So they're the three markets that I see happening as a clean energy system. It's how you balance those three markets of electrons, carbon, and hydrogen. So you are leaving carbon in the mix. Yeah. Because carbon is useful, as I said, in terms of some of these fuels, they need carbon components, and carbon's obviously a component in steel, so used, you know, DRI. And see, you just mentioned like carbon being a component in steel. I mean, when you talk about the oil and gas industry, or let's say petrochemical industry, or those sort of things, I mean, every plastic we got is part of the petroleum industry. Yeah, plastics is it an industry which is growing? We have plastic pollution problem. So yeah, I don't know where we'll be in 20 years time in terms of plastics. I'm not an understanding of plastics, I have to say. But yeah, in terms of energy, that's how I see it playing out. Well, my point is, is you have petroleum products. You know, everybody just thinks about when they think about petroleum products, they think about putting gas in their car. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's still going to be a chemicals industry and there's still going to be an oil industry, but it's going to be considerably smaller providing predominantly yeah, the chemical side as opposed to the petrol side. Well, you've definitely got some heavy hitters here at this conference. I'm looking at the uh, sponsor sign, which I'm a little too far away. My eyesight's not quite as good as it used to be, but looks like the big one here is uh, ExxonMobil, huh? Yeah, that's true. And then Nextera, New Energy. So yeah, they're looking, you know, the global director for hydrogen. I spoke to him earlier around their plans. You know, they've got big plans. They're pushing ahead with a lot of those plans. So yeah, across both the traditional blue hydrogen 
but also equally interested in green hydrogen. We've got some of the people coming out of the renewables world, you know, traditionally big players in producing renewable energy projects. They're now looking at uh, producing, you know, big green hydrogen projects. They see that as a growth market for people coming out this market from renewables. You've got some of the guys coming out, sort of process engineering and catalysts like Johnson Matthey, like Axons, like Clariant, Topso, who are world leaders in providing technology for producing ammonia and fisher tropes. You've got Lyft, who are a specialist uh, integrator of all the different parts of the value chain to get hydrogen to work. So it's an interesting place to be at the moment because you've got so many different companies coming at it from different perspectives, be it petro, be it chemicals, be it renewables. So yeah, it's fascinating that you have people looking at using it from the steel, from maritime, from Kimberly Clark, who are looking at making tissue paper with no emissions and looking at the burners that they have for their big tissue paper factories. Wow. So Nadim, for those who are interested in this subject, and obviously they're not here at the conference, what kind of information is going to be available? They can look at um, World Hydrogen Leaders. We have pretty much every week we'll have a different course on. We have very basic courses for, for people that are new to, new to, to understanding hydrogen, to very sort of focused courses and content. So is that its own website, World Hydrogen yeah, World, Leaders? Because I'm looking Leaders. at your contact info here. I see Green Power Global. Yes, Green Power Global is the original holding company, so I've still got that. But yeah, I also have my World Hydrogen Leaders email address. But as I said before, World Hydrogen Leaders, we had multiple different events over multiple different markets that I've been involved in a lot from carbon markets to MIREC, which was our Mexico International Renewable Energy Congress, to World Biomarkets Congress. So Green Power Global has been the holding company through which we've done all of our work for the last 20 years in trying to accelerate some of these markets and help them scale. Well, Nadim, thanks for having OGGN here at the conference. Thanks for coming on. We'll put the information on the website. We'll put that in the show notes. And I don't know, maybe if we can, we may see if we can't track down some of these other speakers or whatnot and talk to them. Yeah, we'll definitely. Many thanks for coming here. It's great to have you guys here. And we look forward to helping you guys get some more content out there and help get the message across and accelerate the debate and accelerate the energy yeah, transition. Yeah, that's what, that's what we'll have to do next time is we'll have to accelerate the debate. <laughs> yeah, we're always keen for a good debate. Okay, well, thanks again, Nadim. We really appreciate you coming on the show. As always, everybody out there, thanks for listening. Please tell your friends to listen. Post us on LinkedIn, your other social media. Leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or the review link that's in the show notes. And please tune in again next week for another episode of Knowledge Vines Oil and Gas HSE podcast, production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Remember that Knowledge Vine is your dependable partner for full-service human performance and safety consulting Knowledge Vine error reduction that works. You can discover more about Knowledge Vine by finding in the show notes the website link and other contact information. Or you can always simply reach out to me on LinkedIn, and we'll see you next time. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.